Welcome to Real Talk for Real Teachers. I'm Dr. Becky Bailey, the creator of Conscious Discipline, an expert in child development, education, and a lifelong teacher and learner. For those listening who are not aware of Conscious Discipline, it is a comprehensive self-regulation program that integrates social-emotional learning, school culture, and discipline. So who are real teachers? Real teachers are real people who have a life both inside and outside the classroom. Real teachers have preparation for holidays for their own families as well as for their school families. Real teachers can get stressed out before school holidays just as much as they can get excited about school holidays. Real teachers are ones who may have experienced great loss during holiday times and approach them with intense emotions, just like the many families they serve. Yet real teachers get up day after day and give their heart and soul to others. Real Talk for Real Teachers is a growing community of loving professionals who seek to love themselves as much as they love others. So today we're talking about holidays, the longer ones, the winter break, the spring break, the summer break. Uh, and it amazes me how many people find them stressful. So I looked this up. Research indicates that 62% of adults describe their stress level as high during the holiday season, while only 10% report no stress. I'd like to meet those 10% myself, but uh, so I guess it's a continuum. Among the highest listed stressors are financial demands, negotiating the interpersonal dynamics of family, overwhelming commercialism, and sticking to personal health habits such as healthy eating and exercise. So I think I've got all of those on my list. I know for me the holidays are stressful. I've had uh, trauma related to them, and it takes careful preparation and planning for me to navigate them successfully. I had, uh, starting when I was young, I had uh, several people die around Christmas, and I had my own very, very traumatic uh, car wreck right before Christmas. Um, when I was young, that uh, I had a, a near-death experience in a year of recovery. So it was, uh, it's not a fun thing as I move into these holidays for me. And for some children, home for the holidays does not create a sense of excitement, but instead creates fear or dread also. The many and multiple demands of holiday puts our prefrontal lobes, that's the CEO of our brain, on overdrive. And readying ourselves for holiday stress requires all of our executive skills. Now, some of you might not know what they are, but these executive skills are attention, time management, organization, prioritization, working memory, impulse control, flexibility, empathy, metacognition, goal achievement, task initiation, and emotional control. And if you just think about going into uh, the Christmas holiday, as we call it, even though it's for all faiths, um, you can imagine every one of those are put to test. In general, the executive skills allow us to set and achieve goals, problem solve, and get along with others. Without a sense of safety, all executive skills go offline. And that's why my holidays are stressful. They all go offline, and then I try to do the things I need them to do, and they won't, aren't there, and life doesn't look as fun as it used to. So one of these executive skills that's extremely critical during holidays for adults and children is flexibility. Now, if you think about it, this executive skill is like the gear shifter in a car. It allows us to shift from one gear to another without grinding them. So it allows us to shift our attention from one task to another or shift our thoughts from one thought to another, shift our emotional state from one state to another. So 
it's hugely important when the context of your life are changing. So flexibility can be hard for us at any point in the year, but it's particularly pervasive at holidays. You know, the school week is the school week, routine, routine, routine. Then you go to the weekend, a little more flexibility, but then you're back, routine, routine. But you get on these extended holidays and the, the context, your environment shifts daily. Family comes in, family leaves. We're taking holidays this summer. We're going here and there, constantly changing and shifting the circumstances. So just take for a moment and reflect on how well you can shift. You know, I know that when I'm upset, you know, my thoughts ruminate. I don't shift. You know, I keep going over the same conversation over and over and over. And even trying to go to sleep at night and your brain's like, oh my gosh, please stop. Now, that's what happens when that skill is stressed. And just imagine it going offline. And you're stuck. You're stuck in emotional upset. You're stuck in depression. You're stuck in sadness. You're just stuck. Now let's shift our attention to children, your classroom, your school. Some children can shift their attention and their emotions fairly well with adult help. Some children who have experienced trauma or chronic stress lack this skill completely and get stuck in a state of upset, have trouble during transitions, and are struggle, sh- and struggle just shifting from, okay, now we're going from math to reading. Okay, math to reading. Okay, put it away. All right, get your head out of your backpack. Put away. Stop move on. It's difficult for some kids. These children, as you can imagine, have trouble with holiday transitions. So how we approach holidays with ourselves, our coworkers, and our children in educational settings must be done with informed planning. In conscious discipline, teachers and schools are asked to create a culture based on a healthy family model instead of a factory model. So that gets us off and running using a healthy family model as a planning for holidays or for those extended holidays coming up gives us a way to think through them. It might not have been how our family went through them, but everyone has that dream of how the perfect family would have done it, and now is your time to do it. So today we're talking with Jill Beck, and she's going to kind of lead us through this. Uh, Jill's a relatively new teacher. This is her fourth year of teaching fifth grade in Belton, Missouri. And believe it or not, she's already won an Excellence in Teaching Award. Go Jill. Uh, she's a leader of her school district CDAT team, and CDAT stands for Conscious Discipline Action Team to help you implement conscious discipline. I like to think it means CDAT work and CDAT make changes and CDAT go there, but uh, it does stand for Conscious Discipline Action Team. So welcome Jill back to Real Talk for Real Teachers. Hi, Becky. Oh, it's so wonderful to hear your sweet voice. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. So just start off, Jill, and tell us, a lot of people from Belton, Missouri, come to our, our week-long summer institute. You know, I'm always going, oh, where are y'all from, Belton? Where are y'all from, <laughs> Belton? Uh, so tell us what's happening in your district and your school in regard to conscious discipline. It's got to be growing uh, as people keep showing up during the summer. Yes, we are growing. We are so excited, and I am so proud to be in a district that has really grabbed a hold of conscious discipline. Um, Belton, we have our CDAT team and that team works with the people who went to CD1, worked with all of those people. And then our team 
kind of develops professional development that is then modeled and then rolled out into the elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools. Um, Oh, wow. It's really cool being a fifth grade teacher. And now I'm noticing that kids are coming in with more skills and knowing about the wish well and different structures and classroom jobs. Um, And I didn't experience that my first year, but now as my fourth year, they already knew about the breathings. So I can tell that we're making an impact. Certainly they know these structures and possibly some of these skills. Can you tell a difference in their actual behavior? I mean, is it easier to start a year off or is it, or is it, about the same. Well, at Mill, well, at the school that I'm at, it's kind of um, a fruit salad. There's like six different elementary schools, and they all come to this one fifth and sixth grade center. So it just really depends. It's really hit or miss. Um, I would say that some students have kind of taken it more in depth than others, um, but we're not there yet. Yeah, but the ones who've taken it inside, the ones who seem to have exposed to it more, can you tell a difference in their behavior and the behavior of the other ones? They are more likely to use things like the safe place and the feeling buddies, and they're more confident in themselves when doing that. Um, and I have noticed that it this year, our school family was really connected within the first probably four weeks when it usually... Oh, wow, yeah took me uh, eight or 10. So I was like, wow, guys, we're doing it. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Okay. So Jill, you're one of the first people I've known that, that you discovered conscious discipline because you were out looking at classrooms. You actually saw it in action before you decided you liked it. Is that true? I know. How lucky am I? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was um, a student teacher at Mizzou. And through their program, we got to go to every single classroom in one school building. And when you walk into a classroom, there's an energy that you feel. And when I walked into a classroom that I didn't know was conscious discipline, but later to find out it was, there was just this powerful, positive, tangible energy and this connectedness that like, I wanted to be there. I wanted to know more of how how did you do this? And so that hooked me from the very start. Wow. Okay. So now uh, you've already answered this question, but a lot of people, you know, think, you know, when you talk about conscious discipline, it's just for the little ones. If you focus on the little ones and people say, well, it's not for the old ones. If you focus on the old ones, they say it's not for the little ones. If you focus on regular ed, it's not for special ed. You know, it's just like, there's always the exclusion clause, but So you believe it's possible to create a school family with your fifth graders and you've actually done it and seen it, correct? Yes. And and 100%. Paint us a picture of your school family. Uh, Do the kids have each other's back? What's going on in there? Well, it's a lot of teaching. It's a, the first four, five, six weeks. It's a, it's hard. Um, The first thing I start with is the the brain. The first day of school, we, we teach the brain and we continue to teach it that first week. Um, and then we work into, you know, the Schubert books and each book teaches a different skill. So then we go through all of those different skills, like using your big voice, having positive intent. Um, it's a different level of respect that the kids have for each other. And it's an amount of empathy that they provide for each other, knowing that 
Um, some students get different services and everyone gets what they need. I've experienced, you know, some kids have that resistance of why does so-and-so get to do this, this, and this, right. and I don't. And with a school family and in my classroom, we just know that, hey, you're going to get what you need and so is so are they and so am I. Um, and the way they talk to each other is really, is different. Um, and they're... I can put them in any type of partnerships or group work and they're willing to work together because we are united and um, we all have different missing skills and that is just makes us who we are and we're all working and setting different goals. So they're all just willing and accepting of each other and for our um, strengths and our weaknesses. Excellent. Excellent. So now let's move on to these holidays. So as you come into an extended break, do you see a difference in the behavior of of some students or all students uh, yourself? I mean, so we're moving into, say, the winter holiday and we're you know, you're going to be off, what, two weeks maybe or something like that. What do you see and what do you do to keep the learning alive during that? We're, We're counting down the days and we're out of here. Right. So I notice a lot of escalated behaviors. Um, I feel like kids are worried and they're having big feelings about that break. And it's easy to leave when you're mad at your teacher or when you're mad, you're feeling upset with um, your classmates because then it won't hurt as much. So I think that's a big thing that's come in place with why the holidays and right before we can all be a little antsy. I think me as the teacher, I can be a little stressed like financially with Christmas and holidays coming up um, and that stress can impact the classroom. Well, you know, that's interesting. So let me just back up there a minute. Um, Just going through my own relationship history, you know, it is easier to say goodbye if you could make them the bad guy. You know, if you can just get yourself angry. I mean, a lot of people, and I'm one of them, would much prefer to be angry than sad. Um, So what you're saying is you're seeing at fifth grade, then a lot of children that choose anger over sadness because it's kind of easier. That anger says, let's move away. Let's get out of here. Let's just go. And and, and that kind of creeps up into your classroom, just like it does in our own lives. Yeah, they're kind of blocking out their real feeling and masking it. Right. So, and what do you do to help them when you see this? I mean, are you having rituals, parties? I mean, what do you do as you see this? You know this is going to happen in front of you. So what's your plan? Do you have a plan? Yes. So my first year of teaching, I didn't have a plan. I had no idea that, like, why are we going crazy before winter break and before summer? Um, So my second year, I decided that um, I'm big into the visual routine books, and that helps organize their brain. And if I notice that we're struggling with a certain skill or routine, um, we have a dismissal routine book. We have an arrival routine book. And so I was like, why don't we have a preparation to winter break? Because like you said, there's so much thing, there's so many things that are routine in school, but for some reason, right before winter break or right before summer, we throw all these out of routine assemblies and um, celebrations and all these different things before winter break that kind of throws everyone off. 
That's a good point. So here we're going. We're going to be crazy. Routines are going away. So let's just change them before we go and see how crazy we can get. Right. I love it. Right. <laughs> and then we decide that we're going to put a lot of huge tests at the end of right before break because we don't want to start teaching a new topic because then they're just going to forget it in two weeks. So there's all this stress that we have put on our kids and the kids that put on themselves. So with the routine book, we, we start in the beginning of December, and they're probably like 14, 15 days out. And we do do a countdown, but it's not for like the celebration of, yay, we're not going to be at school. It's more for we have 16 days left of school, and then this is going to happen. And so that's the first page of it. And then we talk, like as a class, we make this together because every year is going to be different. So we talk about, okay, what are some big events that are gonna happen before winter break? We talk about the food drive. We have a huge school family assembly. We have a school family celebration in, well, classroom family celebration in our own class. Um, we have just different events that are gonna be kind of out of the normal. And every day we'll read our book and we'll check off or take the pages out that we've already accomplished. So that way their brain is organized and they're prepared when comes the Friday before break, they know all of these things have happened and now I'm at break. Right, so what you're doing is, you know, similar to what we do with everything. I mean, you're just expanding it to this. Uh, for example, you know, we let kids, kids know, little kids, you know, there's a five minute warning, three minute warning, two minute warning, okay, get up. Yes. So you're just taking that, expanding it. And so I'm sure you have in your classroom some kids that are a little more flexible than others in making that shift from the daily routine to something out of the norm. So do you find that ha that helps them a great deal or they still struggle? It help, It does help them a great deal. At first, I was thinking, man, these little visual routine books, I'm going to put pictures to, on them and we're going to flip the pages. It's not going to do anything. It's just going to be something that sits in my classroom. Um, but they are so, like, they won't let me forget about it. Like, Miss Beck, we have not read our book today. I was like, oh, okay, sorry. Um, because I was out of routine. So they are so proud of it and it helps them um, organize their brain. So I think unintentionally they want to do it because it does help them every t right before dismissal it's someone's job to read the book and they're right there reading the book and going through the steps with them and i assume that this year they're going to want to do the same thing with our winter our winter break book as well so yes it really does help kids okay so so you've got your uh the winter break preparation routine book yes now, within that, do you have any rituals that you do to kind of keep them calm or connected or anything? Do you do rituals throughout? Do you have a school family party? I mean, what do you got going on before you get there, too? So the last day before winter break, we have a school family um, holiday party, per se, and the kids come in their PJs, and I dress up in my PJs as well. They think that is so funny. And you, we bring a stuffed animal if you want to. I put all of the tables, the desks together, and I cook them breakfast. And some kiddos bring, you know, the milk and the juice, and I'm cooking them pancakes. 
And we sit around the table and we have a school family breakfast and we sit and we talk and we laugh and we bond. And it's that last kind of hoorah, that last kind of connection and bonding piece before we have that long separation. Um, And during the breakfast, we talk about our worries and we talk about what we're excited about as well. And it's just a way for all of us to sit around and enjoy good food and connect before that longer break. Right. And I think one of the things that sticks out to me as you're talking is in conscious discipline, we moved it from a, uh, is not based on a factory model, like a lot of education It's based on a school family model. So the fact that you would have PJs and cook breakfast, that's such a, a family notion. I mean, that's, that's almost holiday morning food, yeah. you know, you, you get up and you can <laughs> stay in your PJs and you have great pancakes instead of cereal. I mean, and also the fact that you talk to them about uh, their excitement and some of their worries. Do you, what are some of the things they might be worried about or excited about? Do you remember anything in particular? Um, the school district I come from, we have about 60, 2% free and reduced. So we we have some poverty and there are a lot of kids worried and about, you know, the holidays. And it's really funny since they're fifth graders, I'm noticing that they're worried about their younger siblings more than they're worried about themselves. So wow. they're more worried about is their sister or brother, little brother going to get what they wanted from Christmas, for Christmas, or they're worried about how are they going to make sure that they get what they want? Um, and how are they going to make sure that their family has a good holiday break? Um, some of the other kids worry about, you know, who am I going to spend my holiday with? Is it going to be with mom or dad or grandma? Is mom going to be mad if I'm with dad because I really want to be with dad on on holiday or so on and so forth? So they do carry around a lot of that stress. Like, is it going to be enough? Right. And you know, it's amazing when you sit down and talk to them and you realize what all's going on in their little heads, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That we might not imagine unless we had this time and they felt, of course, open enough to share it. So do you see this coming out in um, uh, their learning? I mean, is is it hard to teach at that level? Is it hard for them to take in the information or uh, how does that testing fit in there? It can be overwhelming for them having all the different things to juggle. So as their teacher, I make sure that if we are taking a big math test, what are we going to do the rest of the day that um, we're all connecting together and that I kind of kind of go back to the beginning of the school year where we're taking more um, brain smart starts. We're going back and we're resetting ourselves. Um, we're finding ways to hold each other's hands and look each other in the eye and smile. So if we do take a big test afterwards, we're going to find a way to reconnect so that we can um, welcome our feelings of anxiety and be- and feeling overwhelmed. And we also talk about, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed, what are the things that you can do? We have an I Calm book in our safe place, and that's something there's more students in the December months that are going to the safe place and reading the I Calm book or going to the safe place and grabbing the feeling buddy anxious. So I, I noticed those types of behaviors, but just also as a teacher kind of sandwiching in the academic and then connection, academic and connection. 
Right. So, I mean, that's just brilliant teaching. Here you are, you little baby teacher being brilliant. <laughs> okay. So, so let's go on. So you have this, uh, you have the pancake breakfast and you play, I saw you wrote down, you play rob your neighbor. Now, how do you play rob your neighbor? So I wanted to replicate what my family does during the holidays for with my classroom. And so we play rob your neighbor. And so my husband always enjoys when we play this game because I go get random junk from my house and I wrap it up um, in wrapping paper. And then we draw numbers and we sit in a circle and we play rob your neighbor just like... Oh, I know that game. We call it the white elephant party. Yes, yes. It's not white elephant to them because it's a gem that it came from my house. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. And so then you you just play it like, and then you can either keep the gift or take someone else's, right? Yes. And you have oh. to have a school family for that because you're going to be taking one of your brother's or sister's things. And you know why I love that? You know, the what you just shared with us is that uh, that's something you do at home. That's something you enjoy in your family. And, you know, sometimes we think, well, maybe I can't do that at school. But you took a, a ritual from your own home that meant a lot to you and shared it with the kids. When you're that open with them and your heart is that open and your mind is that open, no wonder they're sharing their deep, uh, some of their fears with you. It, it sounds like a very safe and fun classroom. So, Jill, have you noticed anything after these holidays? You know, so you're gone for a couple of weeks, you're gone for three months. Well, that's a whole new school year. But after spring break... How do the children re-enter? Is that, uh, do you start with the initial chaos of the beginning of the school year, halfway through the chaos, or what are you seeing when you come back? I treat the day they come back that January like the first day of school. Um, it seem, they Sometimes it seems like they've absolutely forgotten every single routine that we've ever had. Um, so we go back and we read our routine books and we talk about expectations and we instantly have a class meeting where we are sharing about, they kind of just want to talk and want to get it all out. So we share about what we did over break um, and I think just practicing our routines and getting them back in a routine as fast as you can is helpful for them. And deep down, that is what they want. And that's what they're craving because they've had two weeks of just out of routine and so many different things and so many different stressors. Um, I notice a lot of them come back just completely exhausted and they're just so tired and they're ready to get back into the routine. While others may come back and they are defiant and they are wanting to know, do you still love me? And so they're going to challenge me and they're going to see where where are the expectations again? Where are my boundaries? Um, it's just knowing and, and having that positive intent for students that they're just seeking your love and they might do it in an unloving way because they want to reaffirm that you are still their person and you are still going to be there for them no matter how naughty they are acting. Yeah. <laughs> that makes complete sense. That makes complete sense. So uh, you've given us some wonderful and brilliant ideas for all the listeners. So let's sum it up. Let's just take four things or three or four. So we're leaving them things they can do this holiday season three or four things that you think are critical, critical, critical. So 
You ready? Yes. Okay, number one, what would you suggest? Make a routine book. Make a routine book about the things that are going to be out of routine for winter break, right before winter break, um, and read that book. Have the class make the book with you because then they have more buy-in if they're a part of the book. And read the book every day so that they are organizing their brain and you are organizing your brain as the teacher. Okay, number two. Uh, be aware of your own state, your own emotion. Are you in the emotional state because of triggers that have happened in your own life because of the holidays? Um, I've lost my grandpa in December of couple five years ago, and I'm aware that that day is hard. So be aware of what you're bringing to the classroom because your kids can feel it. Okay, and the number three or the last one, what would you say? Do something that builds your class family, um, that replicates your own home family so that they can feel um, that sense of connection and safety, whether they might not feel it at home, they're feeling it in your classroom. Um, and have that open conversation about, you know, I'm feeling anxious about uh, Christmas and getting X, Y, and Z. How are you feeling? Are you worried about this? Have those conversations with your kids and be authentic and genuine because that is tangible and they can feel when you're being authentic and genuine So and they will do the same for you. So open those lines of conversations, do something that has that family structure and love on those kids. Perfect. So I want to thank you, Jill, for your wisdom and your passion and your excitement and certainly how much you love on all those kids and their families. So appreciate very much you talking with us. So thank you for uh, taking time to be on Real Talk for Real Teachers. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was so fun. <laughs> okay. And for the rest of you, for all my listening friends out there, uh, hopefully our growing community of uh, Conscious Discipline family. Until next time, I wish you well. For more episodes of Real Talk with Real Teachers by Dr. Becky Bailey, visit ConsciousDiscipline.com forward slash podcasts. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app.